Good evening. It's good to see you all this evening. <clears throat> good to be here and to be able to bring you a lesson from God's Word. It seems like this week has been really busy and hectic and uh, a lot going on with uh, so many going, should we say. And so it's good for us to be able to break away from all the chaos in the outside world and to come in here to sing songs of praise to God, to be able to reflect upon His Word and study that Word together for a little bit this evening. And tonight we want to continue from where Ian last spoke about Acts 13, right? And so here we are in Acts 14, and sort of where we pick up on from the end of Acts chapter 13, you had this persecution that was coming upon Paul and Barnabas as they were uh, preaching the gospel there at uh, Antioch that was in Pisidia. And you had this persecution that these unbelieving Jews had come upon them and had basically driven them out of that region. And as they left that region, they come down to Iconium. And that's where we, we pick up there. But in Acts chapter 13, verse number 50, it says, But the Jews stirred up the devout prominent women and the chief men of that city and raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now one time, me and David Stallings, we were out knocking doors. And as we were knocking doors, not having too much as far as success goes, but we come to this one house in particular and we knock on this door and there, this guy opens it up and he's just filled with rage as soon as he sees us. And he begins to cuss us and to call us names and then he ends it by slamming the door in our face. And David picks up his shoe and he shakes it like that. And me and David, we kind of laugh about it. Okay, you know, and so we go on our way. But toward the end of the day, David said, you know, he said, I, I feel kind of bad and, and shaking my foot like that at him, you know. He says, I feel like I condemned them by doing that. And I said, no, you, you didn't condemn them. I said, they condemned themselves by doing that. John chapter 12, verse 48, the Bible tells us that he that rejects my word has one that judge him. The word that I've spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. And so... We have a judgment placed against us by God's word, by how we treat God's word. And if we reject God's word, then that word is what judges us or that word is what condemns us. It's not us. We're simply messengers here. And so that's what Paul and Barnabas did. They shook the dust off of their feet and they continued on their journey. They moved along. And it says, oh, oh, and, and for the map people here, I found a map. <laughs> I was like, everyone else gets a map, why don't I? Yeah. So that's where they were at Antioch of Pisidia. They're in the province of Galatia. And as they're driven out of Antioch, they go down to Iconium. Now, as they get to Iconium, they waste no time in what they're doing. 
They have this goal, this mission in mind. They want to spread the word of God everywhere that they're going. And so they come down here after having been faced with this persecution and they begin to preach. It says, now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and Greeks, believed. So they wasted no time. They didn't go door to door knocking everywhere. They just went straight to the synagogue where the holy people or religious people were going to be at. And they began to preach right there and to teach these religious people that were at the synagogue already this gospel message that they haven't heard yet. And many of the people that heard this believed what was said. But here we are again. Verse number two, he says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So even though they just wasted no time. They came straight to Iconium. They went straight to the synagogue. They began preaching the gospel message here. And many of the people who heard this message believed this message. And here comes the unbelieving Jews who simply do not believe in Jesus Christ, that he's the Messiah, that he's the one that was king of Israel. And they began to poison the mind of the Gentiles against the brethren. Now that's true. We're going to face persecution. We're going to face opposition to the word. But I began to think, what was this poison? What, what was it that poisoned their minds? You know, here you are. They were preaching the gospel. Everyone was like, yeah, okay. We see it. We agree with it. And so what was this poison that came about then? A couple of years ago, I don't know, Monty, Darlis, if y'all remember, but a couple of years ago, it may be more than a couple now, we had a study at your house with a young man, and around that time we were studying with this young man. It was, I think, part number four of the five-part study, and we were going over this concerning that of salvation, and as me and Monty were talking and going through the scriptures with him, he was sitting there and, and reading along with us, and he was agreeing with everything that we were saying concerning baptism and remission of sins and salvation through Christ and through his blood. And he agreed with us. And the study went well, I thought. And then we end the study, and we go about our way, and the next day I contact him, and everything changed. All of a sudden, he doesn't agree with everything we said. He said, you know, I was talking to my preacher. And the preacher said that this isn't right. And I said, but how can you say that? <laughs> he said, well, it just isn't right. That's all I can tell you. It's not right. And then I got to think, oh, maybe that's the type of poison that was being introduced here to the brethren that had heard it and that had believed it. Kind of reminds me of, therefore... As Jesus gave the parable of the sowers, and he talked about these sowers, how a sower went forth to sow. Well, the sower that went forth to sow here in the story is Paul and Barnabas. They're going everywhere, sowing the seed of the kingdom of God, this gospel message, this good news of salvation through Christ. And they're planting these seeds everywhere that they go. 
But I think some of these unbelievers may be some of these different type of soils that we read about here. It says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony place, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and, care, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understand it, understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. There were some in this crowd at Iconium that heard it and that seed fell on good ground. There were some there in Iconium. There were some at Antioch. There were some everywhere they went that either it was on stony place, some believed it for a while, and then as times got hard, they fell away from it again. There were some that was good ground who heard it and it changed their lives forever and they went forth sowing that seed. And the kingdom of God continued to spread because the sowers went forth to sow. Verse number four though, it says, but when the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with the, their rulers to abuse and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycaonia, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. So, indeed, they didn't waste any time. Anywhere they went, they continued preaching this gospel message. That was their mission. Their entire mission was to reach the lost, to preach this message concerning Christ. They were going everywhere as the Great Commission had proclaimed that they should go or commanded that they should go, and they proclaimed this good news. But it caused division amongst those who heard it. And it causes division with us today. You know, we, we have those who have been obedient to the gospel and it has divided entire families. It's divided friendships and we face opposition because of it. But no matter the opposition or no matter the persecution that comes because of this gospel message, we should never be ashamed to go forth and to preach it and proclaim it boldly wherever we go in any situation that we go. But it was there at Lystra that a certain man, it says in verse number 8, without strength in his feet, was sitting, a cripple from birth or from his mother's room, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Observing him intently, seeing that he had faith, Paul observed him intently, that is, seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. 
What hope did this man have of ever walking? From his mother's womb, he was a cripple. He couldn't walk. He was lame. He had to rely on someone else to carry him to or fro, to get him where he needed to go, to bring him things. Whatever it was that he needed, he relied on someone else. But as Paul came preaching this message, something that this world, that this region has longed for, has lacked, this message of hope, of inspiration, of truth had begun to be preached here. And this crippled man here sitting there hearing this message and this hope that it made in him, he listened so intently to what Paul was saying. And Paul, seeing him, had such faith in what Paul was preaching. Paul said that he had faith to be healed. And he was. And Paul healed him. He said, stand up straight. And he leapt up and walked. You know, Jesus mentioned several times in Scripture that someone's faith has made them whole. Mark chapter 5, he says, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Don't be afraid, only believe. That faith, that ruler of the synagogue. Mark 10, he says, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. The Roman centurion of Matthew chapter 8, he says, I've found not great, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And he said, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And the centurion's servant was healed. And there's other examples throughout scripture of someone's faith having made them whole this is what paul had observed in this man who was at lystra that saving faith that belief in what he was saying but there's a problem and i I say this is a problem because they give credit to someone other than who it was needed to be credited Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lycaonian language, the gods have come down to us in likeness of men. It was no secret to anyone that Rome was full of many gods. They worshipped so many different gods. But I find it interesting who they attribute it to here in a little bit. Rome had gods for everything. They, like the ancient Greeks, had beliefs that their gods would come to earth, that they would visit men and mankind in human form, that they would come down secretly in this disguise of human flesh and walk among the men to judge men based off of that. And this is what they thought happened. Everyone knew that this man that had just been healed was crippled. And then they see Paul and Barnabas heal this man. And they say, the gods have come down in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes. And I only found that interesting since we're in Rome. And those were ancient Greek gods right there. Now the equivalent to the Roman god of Zeus would be Jupiter And the equivalent to Hermes would be Mercury. But that being said, if you look in the King James Version, that's actually how it's listed, Jupiter and Mercurius. So 
Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are therein in them. I wonder, the Bible tells us that they began to speak whenever they saw this man was healed. They began to speak in this Lycaonian language. Maybe it was that Paul and Barnabas didn't recognize what they were saying and what they were doing, who they were attributing this to. But when they recognized what they were doing, they said, hold on, we're only men just like you. And we're not here for you to sacrifice these animals to us. We're not Zeus, we're not Jupiter or Mercury or whoever else. We're only men like you. But we're here to proclaim the true and living God to you. That he is the one who made the heaven, the sea, the earth, and all things that are in them. Who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness. And that he did good. Gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons. Filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. God allowed the Gentile nations at one point in time to walk in their own ways, to not be constrained by the law of Moses, yet he didn't leave them without witness. Even the invisible things, the Bible says, are clearly seen of him. They were they had these things as a witness to them, yet they did not acknowledge God in that state but they were not under the law of Moses these Gentiles but it was through God's hand that these blessings had come down to them God sent rain upon the just and on the unjust but with this reasoning Paul stopped them from sacrificing to Jupiter or to Zeus and to Hermes Acts chapter 14 verse 19 he says then the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there having persuaded the multitudes they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead however when the disciples gathered around him he rose up and went into the city and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby and so here they come there the Jews were who were at Antioch of Pisidia there in Pisidia and the ones that were in Iconium these unbelieving Jews who were trailing after the apostles, Paul and Barnabas, and they finally caught up to them. They're in Lystra, and they took Paul. It doesn't say they took Barnabas. Maybe Barnabas wasn't there with Paul at this time. But they capture Paul, and they stone him, and they think that they've killed him, and they go about their way. Now talk about dedication, okay? Because... Here Paul was, he's been stoned to death or thinks that he has. And when the disciples gather around him, thinking maybe also that he's dead, Paul gets up 
And he arose and he went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And you know what he did at Derby? He began preaching the gospel still. Dedication to the word. Having all this persecution come down upon you, you could probably easily say, okay, this occupation is not for me. This isn't my choice of lifestyle. You know, I don't want rocks thrown at me again. But he didn't. He continued steadfastly in the word. He continued on that race. It says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, where he had been stoned, and Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must pass through many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. And boy, wasn't that true for Paul, having been stoned. There he was, this perfect example, saying, listen, they're going to hate you. They're going to stone you, probably. They're going to try to kill you. But you must remain steadfast. You must remain faithful. And he exhorted exhorted them to that cause, strengthening them and their souls, pleading with them to hold on to that faith and to remain even though you're going to face many tribulations, yea, all who would live godly in Christ Jesus would suffer persecution. It says, So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them. Oh, they commanded them to the Lord or commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This message that Paul preached still rings true to this day. It still has that saving power to save the souls of those who hear it, who believe it, who would be obedient to it. And they were steadfast in strengthening the souls of their brethren, appointing elders, leaders in every city. They didn't leave them without some form of leadership to strengthen them, to watch over the flock, to watch for these false brethren that were going to enter in among them. And they commended these men to the Lord with that encouragement. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. And so they've gone full circle from where they started up to Antioch, the other Antioch, Pisidia, to Iconium, to Perga, to Lystra, to Derbe, back around. And now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. And that's it. The stories that they must have been able to tell of all the things that they had gone through. All this persecution from being chased from one city to the next. But not just that, from those that they were able to convert. That these Jewish people who, in just chapter 13, Paul talks about how the Jews had rejected God. And because of that rejecting, these Gentiles were brought into the church and here they are 
talking about how the door of faith has been opened to those Gentiles and how so many brethren are now throughout these regions, how these churches are growing now, how elders are appointed. Maybe he told about how he was stoned, all the things that he was able to tell as he got back to Antioch, and he strengthened the brethren. You know, we grow fonder with one another and we gain strength from one another and that's why it's important for us together together to draw ourselves away from the world and to draw ourselves closer to one another and to God to strengthen our faith that's what we're doing by studying his word together that's what Paul and Barnabas were doing strengthening one another in that well that being said the lesson is yours this evening if there's someone here who's never been obedient to the gospel, you have an opportunity at this time to do so. But maybe you're here tonight and you have fallen away in some form or another. You are weak in one area. You need the prayers of the strength of the church to help you get your life back on track. That's what we want to do. We want to strengthen you. We want to strengthen one another. And so this invitation's for you. We invite you to come as we stand and sing the song selected.